11.55, almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. One more story before 12. Just to keep us warm. In five minutes, it'll be the 21st of April. 100 years ago, on the 21st of April, out in the waters around Spivey Point, a small clipper ship drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing, not a foot ahead of them. And then they saw a light. My God, it was a fire burning on the shore, strong enough to penetrate the swirling mist. They steered a course toward the light, but it was a campfire like this one. The ship crashed against the rocks. The hull sheared in two. The mast snapped like a twig, and the wreckage sank men aboard. At the bottom of the sea lay the Elizabeth Dane with her crew, their lungs filled with salt water, their eyes open and staring into the darkness. And above, as suddenly as it had come, the fog lifted, receded back across the ocean and never came again. But it is told by the fishermen and their fathers and grandfathers that when the fog returns to Antonio Bay, the men at the bottom of the sea, out in the water by Spivey Point, will rise up and search for the campfire that led them to their dark and icy death. First of April. I'm Jimmy Hiles. I'm Lydia Judy. And I'm Derek Lamaster. And this is Screen Bloody Movies. Welcome, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome to Screen Bloody Movies, uh, the podcast where we talk about horror films uh, and discuss what we liked and didn't like about um, classic or modern horror films. Uh, today on the agenda, we have John Carpenter's 1980 The Fog which we'll get to, of course, here shortly. But first, I want to see how uh, you guys are doing. Lydia, how's things? Um, things are doing better. I got my wisdom teeth pulled last Wednesday, and they still hurt a week later. So I'm fighting through it. <laughs> Took some Tylenol, so I think I'll be okay today to talk. But yeah, I got all four pulled um, at the same time, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> No, I've I've not had mine taken out yet, uh, thankfully. 
but I know people that have, like you, of course, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I could deal with the uh, swelling of the cheeks. Mm -hmm. That was what I was like most afraid of, too. Like I was really afraid my face would swell up. It didn't swell up too bad, um, but it, it's the not eating part that is really affecting my life. <laughs> You're not eating? Well, I, I'm eating now, but like it was like days that I was eating like only pudding and jello. I could probably swing that if it was good pudding I, and good jello. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and I was, I'm like pretty sick of, of pudding now. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's when you get a blender, like an industrial one. That way it can like chew up a cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, nothing like those meat smoothies. Mm. <laughs> You could call it a cowboy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Derek, so what's new with you? How's things going? Uh, things are going well. Everybody in my household's mildly healthy. So that's a plus. And my wife and I get to find out what we're having next week. We're having like, another uh, baby. pizza? Uh -oh. No, we're having another baby. <laughs> we have a three-year-old boy. So we're hoping for a little girl. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a shotgun so I can uh, be cleaning it when she <laughs> yeah. comes home, I guess. No, <laughs> that's later in life, but I'm going to get a shotgun, you know, <laughs> just so I can intimidate people. Well, I, I think it's a good idea to carry one or have one in the household just in case uh, somebody reads from the Necronomicon. It's important. There's always, uh, always that possibility, and you got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared. Also, keep a chainsaw and plenty of booze. You'll be good to go when the when the evil dead attack and really uh, what could go wrong with that uh that combination nothing nothing listen they do it in the south all the time i'm sure it's fine there you go <laughs> it's a staple <clears throat> so we have actually some news too that uh are we just cast the latest short we're in the middle of production on uh so it's fully cast it's ready to go before cameras next month so that's exciting. And uh, stay tuned for this space and the website and all the other areas for more news and info and maybe even some guests from uh, the shoot when, when it comes close for that time. But since we're in the here and now, let's talk about horror news. We are filming this episode on uh, June 16th, by the way, 2021. So these are the horror news items of the day. I'm going to start with the um, biggest one that I read today, which actually came out yesterday, but um, Scream 5 is finished shooting. It's completely finished with production. It's finished shooting, finished editing, finished sound. It's in the can. So, which by the way is just officially titled Scream. That's the new thing now. You know, I, as much as I liked Blumhouse's Halloween, it's annoying to have to say Halloween 2018 instead mm -hmm. of just Halloween dies or whatever they could have named mm -hmm. it. So or Halloween lives. Yeah, yeah. Halloween Returns was a working title, which would have been a good one. I like that a lot. So what are your guys' thoughts on the new screen? I know we talked about it on the first episode. We kind of discussed the concept of there being a new scream. Are you still, are you still excited about it? Yeah, I'm excited for it. <laughs> yep. I say, bring it on. 
I'm excited to, you know, from what you had uh, mentioned um, on the last podcast, the uh, the actors are pretty excited about it. They said there's kind of new life there, so I'm on board. I'll buy a ticket. And from what I read, uh, they are, um, you know, of course, they're honoring Wes Craven as much as possible. It's just going to be interesting uh, to see a screen movie not directed by Mr. Craven, uh, who is, of course, a, you know, a big part of our childhood and of, of our horror fandom. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we talked about Netflix's Fear Street a little bit. The, the adult uh, R.L. Stein um, mm. series. Well, uh, it has officially been rated R for strong, bloody violence. Nice. So that's, uh, that's of course, exciting. It's, it's going to be interesting to see a, a, gory, um, <laughs> a, a gory R.L. Stein story. So they have um, the two parts. It's, it's in three parts. So they have uh, the first part's called Fear Street Part 1, 1994. The second one's uh, Fear Street Part 2, 1978. And then the third one is uh, Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Oh. Yeah. Gonna, what direction are they going to work in? <laughs> Hopefully they start with the earliest to move. No, no. So it it goes. So they're telling the story. Apparently, so here's the here's a synopsis. Part one is a circle of teenage friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil, responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued their town for over three hundred years. In episode two, it's uh, nineteen seventy eight. School's out for the summer, and the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But when another shady cider is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun in the sun becomes a gruesome fight for survival. Mm. And then part three is the origin of Seraphir's curse are finally revealed as history comes full circle on a night that changes the lives of sunny of shady ciders forever. So I mean that sounds pretty cool. I don't quite know what the you know to expect um, if it's a fraction as good as uh, the, the Haunting of Hill House or the Haunting of Bly Manor, then we're, we'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the, those are the uh, streaming horror staples, I feel like. That's the, that's the peak that you, you strive to reach. Because I was sure. blown away by both of those. What do you guys think? I hope they bring back uh, Jack Black. That's Goosebumps. <laughs> Guys, watch the the Goosebumps with Jack Black. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. It is fun. Yeah, I like. I liked it too. Yeah, as well. But uh, they are very fun. So that's the little doll's name. Is it? uh, Uh, Oh, it is. um, Flappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Trivia in there. There you go. So, do you remember last week? or the last podcast when we talked about uh, the Toxic Avenger remake. Yes. And we spoke about Elijah Wood joining um, Peter Dinklage. Well, we jumped the gun on that because in the time 
in the week that we were off due to your teeth, in the week when we were off, Elijah Wood was not was unannounced. Kevin Bacon was announced in his place to play the villain. And then this week it was announced that Elijah Wood is also joining it. So now the cast is Elijah Wood, Julia <laughs> Davis, Kevin Bacon, Peter Dinklage. So that's a thing. <laughs> they should bring in Michael Sarah to play Toxie. <laughs> I would assume that Peter Dinklage is going to play human form Toxie, right? And then maybe voice Toxie. You think Toxie's going to be CG? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, I I hope that they don't go that route. But uh, anything's got to look a little bit better from you know the '80s version. But I hope they keep it more practical effects. Let's suit them up. It's trauma. I'm sure they will. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. Like, what the heck do you guys think of this like cast list? It's kind of getting crazy all of a sudden. I want to know what their budget is. Yeah, <clears throat> bigger than than the original. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the first one was made for uh, $12. And I think they sh they just stole shots on the streets of New York. Uh, speaking of Scream, uh, this is just a little side note. This is interesting. Uh, it's apparently going to get a 25th anniversary 4K Ultra uh, HD release. Mm. So which means it'll probably also play theaters when that cycle comes out, which would be, I never got to see the first one in theaters. So that would be awesome. Nice. I remember cool. when we went, when that movie was, came out in, in, in 96, and I went to go see The Cable Guy. <laughs> oh, my God. And my mom went and saw Scream, and I remember, like, trying to sneak in and see it, you know? But I also wanted to watch The Cable Guy, of course. Which one is scarier? Ooh, that's a good question. This cable Guy is actually pretty creepy. It is. <laughs> Especially that that scene where um, where Matthew Broderick's dreaming, and he's like, "I'll see you later." <laughs> he's got like the glowing <laughs> eyes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the time that I befriended the uh, Taco Bell guy? What? <laughs> yeah, I befriended a Taco Bell guy when I was in college, and uh, not kidding. Every time I would go in there, <laughs> he would give me free food. <laughs> He invited me to his wedding. No joke. I worked in there one night because I always, I'd always like get a free drink, or if somebody like messed up an order, they'd be like, "Hey, you want this?" <laughs> you were a garbage disposal. <laughs> uh, kinda, yeah. But um, I, I walked in there and ordered food. He'd be like, "Hey, man, you know, I'm getting married this weekend. You're you're totally uh, invited if you want to go." I'm like, "Hey, that's really nice." I remember the guy's name, but oh, I had you, never was... seen him outside of that. You don't have to say his last name. Okay. I didn't know his last name. I didn't. I don't even think he like. I think he gave me his phone number. Then I never went in there again because I was. A, I was like, I crossed the boundary. <laughs> I was cool to talk to you when you were just giving me free food, but yeah. you're actually inviting me to your wedding. Yeah, it's too real for me. So I, I went to a different Taco Bell. He just shows up at your house or something. <laughs> hey man, why didn't you come to my wedding? Be like, hey buddy. I, don't I know. sent some. I sense a horror movie here. Yeah, in the vein of the cable guy. It's a Taco Bell guy. Yeah. There you Jesse. Go. 
we could call it, you know, like, I don't know, burrito something. Oh, you, that's why I have you in charge of all the titles, because that was just spectacular, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's an original. Well, you put me on the spot. You didn't put me on the spot. I put myself on the spot. I couldn't <laughs> but I know that burrito would have to be part of it. Too. I think so. the, the title should just be burrito something. Yeah. We could call it burrito baby. Nice. <laughs> I don't even know if that sounds... That... I already want to watch that. I don't think we should call it burrito baby. I don't know what that no. even... So that's that's actually like a little ritual that we have with my uh, my son when he gets out of the bathtub. I wrap him in a <laughs> towel and I pick him up and I'm like burrito, ba, 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 baby. That's adorable. By the way, don't, I've called don't name uh, a horror movie after that. By the way, I called CPS on you. <laughs> Whatever, it's adorable. Braden was here when I did that, and Gilo was like, "What are you doing?" But I was, you know, I was like burrito, baby. <laughs> As long as there really is a baby there, and it's not like there a, is, a I swear. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just does it to the air. <laughs> yeah, it's a rap towel. <laughs> well, guys, look forward to that uh, coming summer of 2025. Burrito Baby, starring the Jesse, the the Taco Bell guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, if you watch this, I really appreciate all the food you gave me. <laughs> He's probably still works there, and now he's fired because because <laughs> I told on him. They just get up. food away. That's huh? where the hell all that free food went. Yeah, he's oh, still man. there. He's still at Taco Bell. Maybe he. Uh, maybe he's friends with Lois. <laughs> so, enough of this. There's a reason we're here today. <laughs> Like how serious everyone got. Gary's drinking <laughs> from the smallest cup I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's so cute. Wait, we is had, that coffee? Uh, no, it's a uh, grape. It's uh, sparkling grape juice. I bought it so that we could. My wife's pregnant, obviously, and my kid can't drink alcohol. So I was like, "Come on, buy some sparkling grape juice," and then he didn't drink his. But it's it's good. So nice. So, like, were you celebrating something? Uh, no. Oh, you just wanted to remember what it was like back in the alcoholic days? Man, I really can't drink, but I really want to. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, this is wine. This is, this is, <laughs> this is really wine. Good, good. So, guys, we watched The Fog this week. And uh, unlike, or very similar to Pet Cemetery, this is a movie we have, we have all seen prior to this, this wasn't our, either any of our first viewing of this movie, mm -hmm. but I think Lydia is the one that has seen it the least amount of times. Probably true. Yeah, I've seen it twice. <laughs> yes, this is this that this was your second time watching it, right? Yeah, and the first time was not too long ago. Right. Right. I grew up watching this movie. This was one of those movies that was on cable all the time, um, and then it circulated on to VHS and DVD, you know, all through all through my life. Um, this is one of those um, movies that I cycle through a lot. How about you, Derek? Yeah, um, typically, I probably watch it uh, at least once every couple of years. So like I, I had mentioned before we started recording that this was one of the first digital movies that I had purchased. Um, 
I didn't have a, a physical copy. So it was around Halloween time a couple of years ago. I'm like, I love this movie. I'm going to go ahead and buy it. So that's what I did. <clears throat> so, uh, Lydia, since you are the one that has uh, seen this movie the least and you are uh, kind of basically going into it semi-fresh since you've only seen it twice, mm-hmm. what, are you, uh, what are your thoughts on The Fog, just in general? Like, not, not your whole uh, rating, necessarily. We'll get to yeah. that. But what do you th- why don't you talk a little bit about it? Well, I really, I really like it, and I'm kind of, like, surprised that I had never seen it. Um, just because of how good it actually is. And I'm like, I, I felt, I felt John Carpenter and I had like Halloween vibes and I, I loved the whole feel of the movie. And I was like, wish I would have seen it and, you know, actually watched it a lot younger. Yeah. Uh, it, that's a good point you bring up the, the, when I think of the fog, the one thing I think of is atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I think this movie has tremendous atmosphere. Um, it also has a really bitchin' soundtrack, but that's a John Carpenter staple as well. But I really love the opening, uh, theme song of this movie. That, that opening little piano riff is so creepy. Here it is. <laughs> And it is, uh, I, I, I love it. It sets the atmosphere. Um, we'll just start towards the beginning, uh, that, that opening scene. The opening scene of this movie, I think, does a great job of setting up the mood. It's one of my all-time favorite opening scenes. The old man telling the ghost story. By the campfire. Yeah. In my notes, I wrote classic. I, I wrote- loved yeah, I wrote that. Plus. Yeah, it's his 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 line delivery of, of, of it in the way the way he reads it, the way um, it's shot, in the pacing of it is is so good. I love the, the I love the kid actors, and I love um, how they're kind of all sitting around entranced by this story, mm-hmm. and you have this this kind of old fisherman type guy. Um, relaying this story to these kids, you know, the 21st of December, and, you know, just going through all of it, 21st of April, blah, yeah. blah, blah, going <laughs> into it. And it opens with that, you know, the, the watch, the clip shut. It's, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love that opening scene. There's a very interesting thing in there where it does this like really weird push in. You guys notice this? I I think the only reason I notice it is because I've seen this movie so many times, but there's, it's, you know, it's kind of like a medium shot of of the old man. And then it like pushes in real fast. Like it's almost like a digital zoom. Hmm. It's obviously not digital because it's 1980 shot in 79, but it's like a optical zoom. Post-production zoom. What did you think of the opening? Like your your story about it. Yeah. Uh, No, man, it, it really took me back. It was very nostalgic. Um, And I think, you know, going through this movie, not to get ahead of myself, but going through this movie, you really have to think of the time period of when this movie was made. 
um, because there were a lot of things that were at the time would have been, you know, uh, how can I say that new to the viewer, right? Like, ah, I've not seen anyone do quite this thing before. Right. And a lot of the things now are probably stem from movies like this, right? They were inspired. Uh, so you really have to kind of set yourself in that mood because it was a 1980s movie. Um, but yeah, the opening was, was fantastic. I loved that campfire scene. It was really brought me back. So the uh, actor that plays uh, the the campfire dude is John Hausman. Old Housie. Good old Housie. Housie himself. Mr. <laughs> Manchin is his name. Mr. Manchin. Uh, good. I love his accent. It had a little bit of a, like, reminiscing of Alfred Hitchcock, I, I felt, maybe a yes. little bit. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has a Hitchcock voice. You're right, yeah. How that, that kind of draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. brought a, a different, like, uh, you know, kind of element to the story as well. Yeah. Uh, so what's, what's, what's interesting is that opening scene is so strong, but then it leads into a protracted, longer opening, which also mm-hmm. really sets the stage for the movie. Yeah. I love these shots of... Uh, the, the town at night, empty. And you see like, you know, uh, the gas thing fall down and start pumping itself. And you start to see these little um, ghostly supernatural occurrences. You see the, I love seeing the inside of a ni- the 1980s store, by the way. And you see like all of the old uh, products. That guy, man, who uh, took the orange juice off the shelf and then took a drink. All I can think of is, man, COVID. <laughs> that guy is breaking so many COVID violations. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that was really uh, quite disturbing. Even for that time, I wouldn't have wanted to drink a thing that guy had put back. But I mean, you guys remember, they, they didn't used to like uh, put like the, the things on them. It used to just be yeah, the, the pop. Yeah. yeah, like the safety thing. Like, you know, how, like in orange juice, you have to pull the thing out mm-hmm. after you like, screw the lid. Then it just was like, open it up and drink it. Yep. I'm like, I only really took a sip. I'll put this back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we get this cool little intro kind of building the story. And then the whole time we're also getting narration by my other favorite character, one of my favorite characters, uh, uh, Stevie Wayne mm. from her lighthouse uh, radio station. Can we just take a moment to talk about how cool it would be to own a lighthouse radio station? So cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would want to live there, but working there would be the second choice. <laughs> it would uh, it would be really, really cool. For sure. So, so Stevie's our first char- real character that we're introduced to. So uh, what are you guys, what are you guys' thoughts on Stevie? She's gorgeous. Yes, she is. She's she's definitely gorgeous. Adrian yeah. Barbeau. She definitely nailed, uh, you know, that late night uh, radio talk show host that you see. That, I mean, that's just kind of that classic image. Like the voice that she had, uh, like she nailed it. It's, oh, yeah. It Her- sounded like, uh, you know, that sexy voice on the radio that you want to listen to and yeah, her voice is awesome. She does a great job in this movie. 
And she's such a cool, like, spunky character. You know, she's a single mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's raising her son. And she, like, is getting hit on by fucking Damn. Sheriff Brackett from Halloween. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is Sheriff Brackett. His name's Dan. I actually wrote a note about Dan. I said, <laughs> I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. when he, like, you know, comes in on his day off just so he can listen to her. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a little creepy, but hey. <laughs> Sometimes when you got a crush, man. Relationship. You, yes, unique relationship. Way. That's the best way to put it, Lydia. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I mean, she's like this kind of cool firecrackery, uh, you know, single mom, uh, doesn't take shit from people, and runs her own. I mean, she runs the radio station. You know, it's mm-hmm. she's doing all of it. She's going in and uh, flipping the tapes, and she's just on it. Speaking and of the then, tapes, are yes. the did you guys think that the songs were like super short? Yes. What, yes. what was, I mean, maybe because I wasn't alive when this came out, but like, what's that about? What, the short songs? Well, some of them, I mean, I guess they, there were songs that were about two and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, she know. was like, she was like, okay, I just put this song on. Okay, 15 seconds. That's all yeah. you get. <laughs> it's like, wait, how long is this song? I think they kind of, uh, speed it up for the pacing of the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> so that way we know what to sit because a mistake would have been for us to literally have to sit through an entire song while she's like it's hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> true i love it i want i want to do that i want to open a radio station like that yeah just play like songs that don't have words like lo-fi jazz chill, chill yeah music. yeah I would, I would say this. I mean, this is more of like, a, you know, going into the reality of everything. If you were a like the single person to run a radio station, I don't know that the night shift would be the most productive time to do that. <laughs> I think the reason she does the night shift is because that's when she keeps all of the, uh, she has to, because she has to do the lighthouse stuff. Yeah. Because it's a working mm. lighthouse. So she has to actually man the lighthouse and give the, uh, ships the the weather coming in mm-hmm. the weather reports so I think that's why she, that's part of why she does a night shift and it's the best time so that way she can see her son during the day mm. and then when he's asleep she has uh, you know the babysitter come and watch him so I think that's kind of why that plays out like that yeah I'd be hiring Dan to uh, help <laughs> I want you Seems like he's like would sexually harass your ass. Is what it seems uh, you like. know. <laughs> there's definitely. A, I, I think he walks the fine line. I don't think he was overly <laughs> aggressive. I think that too. I think if it was, if this was a today movie, that guy would definitely be like aggressive about hitting on her. But yeah, he, he was just like kind of hopeful. Like yeah. someday maybe she'll come around and like me. Yeah, I mean he's kind of sweet, kind of sweet. And I mean, we also do hear all the other. I mean, the others, the sailors are the ones that are like, you know, oh yeah, they're like, definitely. Oh, if you you would like to meet her, you're like, <laughs> stay on your ship, you creep. Yeah. So then we're introduced to, um, you know, Nick, Nick Castle, played by the mm-hmm. great Tom Atkins, whom I love, and then he of course picks up the hitchhiker, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. So what do you guys think of uh, Elizabeth and um, Nick's meeting scene? It's pretty intense. 
Yes. So I, I love their little banter. I love their dialogue and it's, you know, fun. And she's like such a like opposite character than Laurie Strode. I mean, this, you have to remember this came out two years after Halloween. This was the, the very next movie. Um, so it's like she went completely the opposite way, you know, purposely to try to, you know, just kind of sexy uh, hitchhiker that puts out completely on <laughs> after reading the dude for 10 minutes. Hey, you know. That I mean, to her credit, I did. I did feel like they had some good on-screen chemistry. I thought yeah. that they had a natural like flow of dialogue, and, uh, and, and she also like stared at him for like a good solid seven or eight seconds when she got in the car. Like, hey, and he after good. after you watch uh, Halloween three, you, it's just what girls do around him, you know? Exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect point. I don't think I could be in a room with Tom Atkins without wanting to make out with him. Yeah. Some guys got it. Some guys don't like it. Every woman that's in a room with, especially in Halloween 3, definitely wants to nail him. After watching these movies, I'm like, maybe he is handsome. <laughs> Movie, you're convincing me. Yeah. It's subliminal, I think. <laughs> Maybe he is handsome. I'm just, I'm like, just I'm wrong. A, am I attracted to him now? I think so. I think I, I, think I am. I am. I think <laughs> it is glorious that he's just randomly uh, sipping on a beer as they're, as they're as he's driving down the highway at night. Hey man, again, you got to go with the. the it was it was the eighties. It was late seventies, yeah. early eighties. Yeah. So I mean, I got in a car with my cousin not too long ago, and he was doing it. It's the late, uh, you know. But well, that's terrible, Derek. You should not have gotten into that car. I didn't know that that was going to happen until I got in the car and he like cracked open a beer and I'm like, uh, I mean, dude, this was at like nine o'clock. Were you morning. driving or was he? He was driving. Oh my God. Can open worms everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So but if anyway. you're listening, uh, police, uh, his cousin's name is... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we have this great scene of them driving and then, you know, their windows just shatter out of nowhere. And they seem to be pretty okay with this whole situation. I mean, they're kind of like, what was that? But then they're like, ah, let's not let it get in the way of banging. <laughs> we got to get yeah. back to my house. The chemistry was explosive in that. Oh, it was. It was. <laughs> Blew the windows out of that place. Yeah. Actually, that was a note that I had. I, I uh, driving without a windshield must be a blast, is what I said. <laughs> but yeah, I, good. No, yeah, I mean, it, you're right. I mean, they seem to have a good time, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other new, the other characters we're introduced to is um, we're introduced to the father character played by Hal Holbrook, um, Father Malone, mm. and and his great assistant played by John Carpenter. Tell me you guys didn't Hi, dig John Carpenter's excellent little yeah, cameo. Was John, yeah. Wait, who did he play? He played the uh, Bennett. He's the, the dude at the beginning that says, Father, am I going to get paid? <laughs> I've <laughs> totally long, missed it. Long hair and mustache. He's the dude yeah. that comes in and talks to him because he's sweeping the port or he's sweeping the church. And then he goes in and, and you know, Father Hobrook's sitting there like making a drink or whatever. 
Uh, you know, like he's like, could you come in tomorrow at around eight? Yeah, sure. Father, am I going to get paid? You might want to make it noon. <laughs> I totally missed that. I missed that that was him. Oh, you have to, you have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's John Carpenter's uh, excellent acting debut. He <laughs> he nails it. He said so himself. It's one of the best. Um, so Father Malone, of course, finds this, this like his wall, like fucking falls over mm-hmm. and introduced to this book, which is a diary of the people who started the town. Mm-hmm. Antonio Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so we, he starts to read it and figure out the backstory of what's, what's going to be happening. And uh, we're also introduced to um, Nancy Loomis's character um, and Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, Janet Lee, who plays the, um, like the congressperson or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the town mayor. Town mayor, yeah. So um, <clears throat> you introduced to her and her assistant, who's played by uh, Nancy Loomis from Halloween, of course, plays Annie. Um, and then you get this uh, first, we get the first kill scene, like the first real horror scene aboard the, uh, the boat. The fishermen are on the boat. And uh, that's where we kind of figure out, we, we still don't quite know what's going on, but we're kind of figuring out, are we dealing with ghost pirates? You know, is that kind of what the deal is here? Um, what do you guys think of the ghost pirate uh, set piece? The first uh, set piece. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you go first. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to like picture it, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a great appreciation that you get. Uh, I would love to know what their budget was for this movie, but there's a certain appreciation you get when you make a low budget horror movie. Um, like, could the outfits of or the the costumes have been a little bit better? Probably, but man, there is something about. The way that those pirates looked, I was like, yeah. No, they you looked amazing. Me? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. The budget of this movie was $1 million. For the time, where does that kind of rank? Uh, I mean, it's still a low, lower budget movie. I mean, it wasn't... I mean, the original Halloween was made for, you know, under a $1 million. The Evil Dead was made for 275000 Yeah, that's on a different <laughs> level, yeah. Evil Dead's like on another level of just pulling a shoestring budget and being like, ah, yeah. just do crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With no money, it's going to be amazing. Um, but so yeah. When they ahead, see, when the um, people on the ship like see the fog and they're like, oh man, there is fog. Like, what the heck? And you just see this like wall just like that was, that's pretty yeah. I don't. I still don't know like how they did the fog effects. I believe uh, a lot of it was, I mean, practical. Like they they used a fog machine to to do it. But the stuff where it was, you know, dissipating, it was filmed in reverse. So you have a lot of reverse photography, you know. So they would pump the fog out, and then they would reverse the film so it, you know, went away. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some optical effects as with that sort of stuff. I love the production design on it because <clears throat> one thing I really love about this movie is it's set in spring, you know, mm-hmm. like right before spring. So it's in that like fall, 
or the winter turning into spring area. You know what I mean? So there's like this chill about the movie. Mm-hmm. You can feel the cold. Like, you know, when they go to the boat and Nick's like wearing that jacket and you can just feel the cold, feel their breath. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, it's almost warm, but it's not quite. And I, I love that about the movie. I think it adds a lot of, of that atmosphere we were talking about. Definitely. So I also really like the set piece where um, when we wake up and we find out that Nick had totally banged Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, naked with Elizabeth. And there's that great knocking on the on the door in the, 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 the hook banging on the door. And there's a slow tension build where Nick's slowly going to it. And then the, the hour ends. Mm-hmm. And the, the clock shatters. Nick looks at it like, well, that's the second thing. I mean, I'm wondering what he's thinking. Is he thinking, well, that's the second thing that just spontaneously shattered in my presence, you know? This is it. This is weird. Yeah, there definitely was not uh, an urgency about these spontaneously exploding. Uh, you know, pieces. Like well, they're just like, oh, oh, that happened. Listen, when you're as cool as Nick Castle, that's true. She I, just explodes around you, man. I guess it does. You're, you're right. So, <laughs> but yeah, they casually are just like, eh, eh. you know, got to get a new clock. So, one of my favorite scares happens about this point in the movie, where uh, the mayor and her lieutenant go to the church to speak to Father Malone. And they walk into the church and it's like, you know, it's lit and everything. There's darkness around them. And Father Malone just pops out of the dark, out of nowhere, like a fucking creeper just had been chilling there, waiting for the moment. Ha ha! He kind of like floats in the frame. Such a great scare. Dang preachers always doing that. I know. I know. I know. And so, not the stereotype preachers, but uh, man, he definitely <laughs> seemed like he uh, had some substance abuse problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just triggered a whole religious sect of our audience, Derek. <laughs> but yes, Father Malone has a drinking problem, but it's also he also is finding out. Uh, exactly the story of uh antonio bay mm-hmm. and the story the, the the myth of the elizabeth day which was their ship yeah and throughout this we start to find out that um basically the the people that started the town uh there was these lepers on this ship and they made a deal and they had all this gold and they made a deal with them that they can come and join the town. Um, but what they did instead is they purposely crashed them into the rocks mm. and stole all of their gold and left them to die, which is why they're returning from the grave a um, hundred years on the centennial of this town's finding uh, to get the revenge. And of course, they keep saying six must die for the six that uh, were killed. So um, Stevie's son finds this plank of wood in the water. First, he sees a, piece, a gold piece. A doubloon. 
and yeah, a doubloon. Very nice, Derek. And a water rushes over it, and then it turns into this plank of wood. And it says Dane on it. So he goes and takes it to his mom, and it says to ask if he can have a stomach pounder. <laughs> I remember that. He asked for a sandwich and a stomach pounder. What's a, does anyone know what a stomach pounder is? I do not. Do you know what a stomach pounder is, Lydia? Did, okay, so I assumed, is that the sandwich or is that the drink? Like, because he asked for... All right, I'm going to look this up. You said he asked for a sandwich. Yes. Assuming it was like some kind of a meal. And like for for a mom to just be like, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Stomach pounder sounds healthy. (laughs) Some kind of slang for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounds like a burger, but. I think you're right. Derek, what is it? Yeah, he asked for a stomach pounder and a Coke. What exactly is a stomach pounder? So I think I would assume it's like a burger. It has to be a burger. Yeah. And the the response is there really isn't an answer for this. Oh. Basically, uh, just, just a word something John Carpenter made up. Yeah. Your thing. Yeah, I guess. He's like, what would be great here? A stomach pounder. That sounds like something children. <laughs> sounds like something children would be into. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you eat a uh, Taco Bell. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's not a stomach pounder. That's a stomach pulverizer. (laughs) uh, I would imagine it's got to be some sort of a sandwich. By the way, this episode is sponsored by Taco Bell. (laughs) You're waiting for that check. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for it to clear. It'll be great. Um, So, yeah, so she has this board, and then there's this great scene in um, in the lighthouse with the board. Um, Derek, Mm -hmm. do you remember the scene I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. I loved like, uh, you want me to to describe this? Yeah. So when the water leaks down and it hits the, uh, recorder or the radio, whatever device that is, and it starts, I, I, uh, can't remember the specific dialogue, but it's, it goes into that like ominous dialogue and you're just like at the edge of your seat. Oh man, this is cool. Something the water lives with like an albatross around the neck. No more like a millstone. A plumbing stone, by God. Damn them all. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what the dialogue is about? Uh, basically, it's about the story of the Elizabeth Dane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so it starts like slowing down and getting deeper. And then... Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, it starts catching on fire and stuff. And then she goes to, it puts out the fire, and then the water leaking's gone, and the board is back to its regular self. <laughs> and again, she's just like, huh. Well, back to reality. Yeah. I just had a psychotic break, but <laughs> I'm going to go pick up my kid now. Yeah. So, um, meanwhile, one of my other favorite scenes that happens around this time in the movie, which is where Nick and Elizabeth go to find his buddy. Mm-hmm. So he goes to find his friend who was out on the ship. Um, and they, they end up locating his ship and they go and investigate it. The seagrass. The seagrass. Yes. 
And I love the dialogue that Nick gives um, when it's just the two of them in the uh, in like the the hall of the boat. Oh yeah, he's telling the story about his dad. His dad, yeah, finding a uh, a doubloon. Mm-hmm. Put it. We put it in his pocket and disappeared. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's such a great little dialogue. And what's really great about it is it's building this tension, and then. You're getting faked out. John Carpenter does this great misdirect in this point. He, you start to see a door creak open. And you're like, oh, shit, there it comes. And then the dead body falls on top of Jamie Lee Curtis from behind her. Yeah, the locker door, like, opens. And then, like, stuff spills out of it. And you're like, oh, that wasn't scary. And then you're like, ah, dead body. <laughs> <laughs> ha, fooled you. <laughs> like, that. The stuff in that locker wasn't scary at all. <gasps> that dead body was pretty scary. Yeah, it was gnarly looking. I mean, it doesn't have any eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like non-eyed. The thing um, that got me about that scene, though, when they're on the when they get on the seagrass, and he's like, they're kind of like investigating and looking around. One, they missed that that the di- dead body was in there, but two, that he like took that can of beer and smelled it and took a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can never. You can't just leave a beer sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, salt. Salt water. Salt water. <laughs> and you're like, why did you drink that? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Don't drink that. Yeah, I mean, that was the 80s. That could have been like cigarette butts in there, and then you got to go to the doctor because that's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, they probably he just would have been okay with it. No, they eat cigarettes for breakfast. Get, get your stomach pumped for that one, man. Hey, that's a no-go. That's what a stomach pounder is, by the way. <laughs> salt water beer. <laughs> Cigarette button. That's what that kid wanted. Yeah. Oh my god. That was appetizing. I can see why you definitely want that. It's like what? my worst nightmare. Even the worst is that her saying, Yeah. <laughs> sure, Tommy. Yeah, go. Sure. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Go have this beer. So yeah, um, we so uh, the next what's the next scene you guys want to talk about? Uh, actually, following that one, uh, I don't know if that he came across as legit. The uh, guy doing the autopsy. By the way, mm. their their dialogue on the ride back. He was like, "Man, he had uh, salt water in his stomach. How do you know that?" <laughs> like this is before they get to the coroner. He probably like, tasted it. His... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Licking oh. his stomach. Yep, definitely salt water. Salt water. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of got me. I'm like, man, how do you know that? You didn't do an autopsy. And then, uh, but the I liked the uh, the scene with the coroner and the little story that he told about the boys that they found uh, last summer. Yes. Uh, and they had been down there for a couple of days. And he's like, man, I would swear that this guy was down there for longer. It was, uh, it was a good little story. I liked that, uh, that element of it. And then, and of course... Then of course, during this whole time, we have the dead body getting up and uh, doing what dead bodies shouldn't do, which is walk around. Uh, what did you guys think of that scare? It was a good one. I liked it. I, yeah, I remember as a kid uh, that being scary. When I was a kid, that was a pretty good one. I was like, mm. yeah, especially he grabs the scalpel. Yeah, and then and then when he falls over and he etches into the ground mm-hmm. three i'm like no 
No, no. Is that, the, <laughs> is that relevant to the uh, knocking? The three knocks? Uh, well, it's relevant because uh, three more, I think, has to die. Yeah. Right? Because mm -hmm. there's three, three down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be right. The math would be, I think, right on that. Um, because then we're getting into the, uh, you know, the, the final act, which, uh, by the way, one of the things I really like about this movie, which is interesting and unique, is that not all of the main characters meet each other. Like, not mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. So, like, Elizabeth and uh, Nick go and save her son, Stevie's son, and they talk to Stevie on the phone, but they never, they never meet Stevie. Like, that's true. there's just, it's, there's never, never show they, they meet. So that's interesting. I think that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so then we get into, you know, the big stuff, the, the, the big final act of the fog's coming. And, um, you know, uh, Father Malone's kind of figured out what's going on. He kind of knows the score. And then yeah. um, we also have um, her son. What's what's her boy's name? What's her son's name? Do you guys remember? I want to say Andy. I think it is. Yes, think Andy. Is Andy. You're right. Andy Wayne. So Andy, um, by the way, uh, Charles Cypher's character, uh, Dan, I just now realized when I saw his name, he's, his name's Dan O'Bannon. He's named after the screenwriter of Alien, Dan O'Bannon, who also <laughs> directed Return of the Living Dead. Nice. Yeah, it's great, which we'll yeah, do one time because that movie is great. <laughs> that movie is great. Um, so, so he, yeah, he, he's left with a babysitter. Um, Stevie's in the night shift, and then um, we start to get to the, the final the final bit of the movie here. Um, countdown? Yeah, yeah, the final countdown. Lydia, so we'll start with, um, we'll start with uh, the babysitter and um, Andy stuff. We'll, we'll start with that stuff. What did you think of that stuff? Um, first of all, I... Wish I could remember the babysitter's name. She was an old lady. <laughs> she was uh, yeah, a really, really sweet old lady. Like realistic babysitter material. I feel like she's probably got the role because she probably babysat so many kids. <laughs> <laughs> she was John Carpenter's babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Like she's so sweet, and I feel so bad because <laughs> she is like, they're they're so awkward about this fog that is just coming at them, and like. She like she kind of is like this isn't right like something weird is going on, which I feel Mrs. like Mrs. Corbett's like, Mrs. Corbett's is her name. Yeah. yeah, and she's just kind of like, um, I don't know, like she knows something's wrong, which is weird because I feel like if I saw some fog coming off the ocean, I'd be like, oh, it's just some fog. <laughs> kind of what happens? Yeah, and she's like, go to your room, like lock all the windows. <laughs> So I don't know. Yeah, it's a uh, very suspenseful. It is very suspenseful, um, and I it it uh, poor little Andy stuck in like this dire situation. His babysitter's done. He's kind of like trapped at the mercy of this whole situation. And then, well, we'll just, good. Well, just think of uh, you know 
Stevie's character, his mom. She, like she's, you know, really trying to direct uh, the people to go and. Is that the sun? Yeah. The glare. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like She's literally right here. Positively glowing, Lydia. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> There's an angel. Hang anyway, on I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll wait. Let's see if I can fix it. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any duct tape? don't know where it's hitting. It's just everywhere. <laughs> you guys can keep going. Oh, okay. we'll, wait, we'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. Yeah. I can hear you. Just put a uh, put the blanket over it. Well. Oh, hey, that whatever you did there worked. Oh, that worked? Yeah. OK, cool. Yep, see? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries. So, so yeah, yeah. So I really uh, felt for Stevie. I mean, just imagine you're sitting at the lighthouse, which you got the perfect view of the town, and you're trying to get your son help, right? And so you've got the radio, and uh, he's really or she's really directing them like where to go to save her son. And then the like she apologizes to her son for not being there. Like that gripped me. I was like, oh man, that had to be really tough. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, at the same time that this is going on, poor Dan meets his grizzly. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor stupid Dan. <laughs> That's what you get, man. Came in on your day off. You're not supposed to be here. Yeah. I don't know why. I really like him. I really liked him, his character. But it, it was just like overly stupid of him. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, you get killed by ghosts every day or something, you know? Right. And that's kind of the, that's kind of like the, the whole out for these characters is that it's like such an unbelievable situation. Like, you know, why would you think that that's the fall? What are you talking about? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, if she's yelling at you, don't answer the door and you're seeing some strange things happening, probably don't answer the door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I had one critique about this movie is that uh, all the signs are there. Things are blowing up for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, windows are breaking. And they're just like, oh, you know, it's fine. I'll just go about my day. Mm -hmm. But you're, you get all the warning signs, and you're just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's blissful about. ignorance. You just kind of write it off. You know, that happens in real yeah. life all the time. It, it you, know, you're, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, a, a, a something break in your, in your room, or uh, you'll see a shadow that you can't explain. So you just, like, you just go and investigate it. Or, or you say, nah, it's fine. No, it's not. Don't worry about it. I don't it. want to be scared of the dark. Like, like you know, they'll just, I'll be sitting there and I'll hear somebody whispering in my ear to kill my entire family. And I just, it's fine. <laughs> Does Sarah know about this? I'm calling Sarah right now. Like Actually, she's... she's the one that's whispering it to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Listen. I'd like Listen. to imagine that she, uh, that Stevie, like, just for a second, I like to just picture if it was, like, a foggy night and she was just, like, terrified and screaming over the radio and it was just, like, a regular fog. Like, <laughs> After this, she, that's probably what's going to happen. Like, she's, like, apologizing to her son, like, I'm so sorry. I hope you understand. And he's just, like, sitting at home, like, looking at the radio. <laughs> like, what is happening? 
that's definitely what happens of uh, her next shift that it's just really foggy. Yeah. <laughs> no! So um, eventually the fog comes for Stevie and she climbs up onto the top of her uh, lighthouse and she's trying to beat the fog. Uh, in the meantime, uh, our heroes all gather at the church. So we have, you know, uh, Janet Lee's character and Nancy Key's character. And then we have, um, you know, Nick and Elizabeth and they have Andy in tow and they meet with Father Malone and he tells them basically the story of Elizabeth Dane, how they were um, bamboozled and, and murdered, essentially. The town was built on lies and murder. And the, the, the gold that they got from the um, ship was used to build the gold cross in the, um, in the church. Mm -hmm. So once they, once the, the, the revenants basically is the best thing I could call them because they're not zombies. They're not ghosts. They're revenants essentially. They, uh, once they appear um, into the, into the church, Father Malone sacrifices himself at that moment, tries to sacrifice himself and puts him, puts the cross there, tries to give it back to them and gives himself as the final, the final victim. Um, and once uh, John Blake is the leader of the, the pirates, once Blake uh, touches the, the cross, it starts to glow, which is a really great effect, by the way. Really cool scene. Yeah, I love the glowing effect of the, of it, like the way it shines, and especially with the fog, of course, and the lighting. And he just vanishes. Uh, he, Nick pulls the Father Malone away, it explodes, you know, they're gone. They're vanished. And all is right with the world. Stevie's revenants are no longer chasing her up the, uh, no longer chasing her up the light, lighthouse. lighthouse. Rooftop. And, uh, she got stabbed, too. She got yes. Yes, she got hooked. She did. We know a thing or two about hooking folks. We do. <laughs> yeah. I will say, man, if uh, if I were the preacher and I found a giant cross made of gold, I'd have been sacrificing people left and right. I'd have like, go, you go out there. I'll stay here. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you could last long enough to uh, the fog goes away and then you're like, I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> so Father guy. Malone... So after after all of the uh, everything's cleared up and everybody leaves and it's just Father alone or Father Malone alone, he, that was hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I was say, say that ten times. Um, when it's just him by himself, he's you know he doesn't understand why he was spared. He can't understand it. He was why. one of the six, right? Yes, because his his grandfather was one of the six. Can't understand. Can't understand. And then of course the fog creeps back in. And John Blake takes off his head, and we cut to black. And then John Carpenter's great score starts playing, mm -hmm. and that was uh, John Carpenter's *The Fog*. Yep. So. Yep. Lydia, this is your second time viewing it. Yep. Are you going to watch it many more times? Definitely. Classic for me. Uh, what would your rating be on this one? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't. I actually didn't prepare a rating. I would probably say I'm gonna give it a. Hmm, I'm gonna give it a seven pumpkins out of ten. Derek, 
I'm going to give it a 7.25. <laughs> just wanted to one-up me, didn't you? <laughs> no. And I'll tell you, there, if I had one critique about this movie, is that I felt like some of the like scenes where the characters are interacting, the dialogue felt a little rushed. Right? Like, they would say something, and then there's no beat as far as a reaction. They just go into their dialogue. I felt like there were a couple of times in this movie where that, you know, just kind of was there. But uh, yeah, I'd say seven point two five. I'm I'm giving it a uh, a solid eight out of ten pumpkins. I, uh, I respect this is one of this is one of my uh, favorite John Carpenter movies. It's it's not on the, the the tier where Halloween and such would be, but it's very very close. It's a very solid John Carpenter movie. Um, and I just like the way it makes me feel. It makes me feel good watching it. It gives you the right amount of spookies. It's a great one to watch around Halloween time uh, to get like that little shiver up your spine. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think when Clark is five, I'll be able to watch this with him. Yeah, you think? Maybe six, <laughs> yeah. Only because, you know, I mean, relative to like what he'll probably experience with just what's on television. Like the scares aren't going to be so dramatic that he... I think he has nightmares, but uh, and I I can't wait to share these things with him. So I think the the church scene where the ghosts come in and they have like the glowing eyes is such a cool and like memorable scene. And I yeah. wish I would have watched it when I was that young. Even though I probably would have had, I probably would have been really scared when I was that young. But like it would have stuck with me forever. Like I I wish I could see it when I, I wish I could be young again so I could watch it. <laughs> Yeah, the the that's definitely you're right. That's one of those images that always stick that always stuck with me. The images that the images that stuck with me the most from when I was a kid was the glowing eyes in the church, and uh, the opening, the opening kill scene when you just when you first see him after they get hooked, um, on the on the hall of the boat. That always stuck with me too because I just remember being like terrified, like, oh, you know, oh. I don't know about this, but yeah, wonderful movie. Uh, do you guys have any other notes about it? Anything we didn't cover? Um, yeah. I guess like my thoughts on kind of some of the questions that I that I do have about it is like, so it's kind of weird that to me that the ghost. Okay, so it's like a hundred years ago, these these ghosts died on a ship, and they come back in a hundred years. Well, first of all, why'd they wait a hundred years? Because that's what's cool for the story, I'm guessing. <laughs> Second of all, how was it that was it the ghosts that were doing everything in the town, like making all that stuff happen? Why weren't they just like going in and like? being destructive or like killing the people they wanted to, if they had that much power to do that or because there is a comment that uh, father Malone says that, well, it was written in the journal um, that what did he say? He said something about the fog helped the, the townspeople kill those people. Like the fog came Hmm. in, like it was sent to help. Like it was sent by God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, man, that's a really weird, interesting thing. Like, is all this stuff going on 
not the ghost? Is it like a different kind of power trying to like warn the people? So what I think it is, is... Uh, I thought of that. <laughs> that <just came> <laughs> I think what it is, is the fog that origin that first time was serendipitous. The first fog was serendipitous. And it just was cover, it helped them commit their murder that they were trying to commit. Mm-hmm. What I think happened then is the ghost took control of the fog. Mm-hmm. So they're using what was basically their means of murder or their, their means of their murder, their demise, mm-hmm. as their tool for murder now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They so, they, so, so how is everything in the town exploding when there's no fog in the town? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's only just that. Uh, I mean, it's kind of... <clears throat> you know, I here, let me, let me uh, make a comment really quick. So, like, there's a trope about... Uh, like ghosts and like electrical devices and things like that. And it makes it like, I was wondering whenever I was watching this movie, um, you know, to gear up for this was, man, did that, did that start because of this movie or, you know, or did they play on that? I'm not sure when it originated, but that was just, you know, it was a curious thing that they used electrical devices like malfunctioning and things like that with ghosts. Cause like now if like you watch a, you know, horror movies, and they're like, oh, you know, messing with electric electrical items. Does that make any sense? Yeah, like your cell phone dies, or like... <clears throat> yeah. Well, I guess the reason that's, that troop exists is because they say, I mean, what are ghosts but pure energy, right? I mean, that's kind of what ghosts are supposed to be, in a sense, sure. or it's just pure energy. Plasma. So that's what they, they communicate with. That's what a talk box is. You, you remember talk boxes? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's and that's why it like like gets really ghosty when it's like a lightning storm because everything is like charged up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that uh, that doesn't oh, explain ahead, the glass. <laughs> the glass was, I think, Tom Atkins. Oh, <laughs> I think I think Nick's. He looked in it. I think Nick's pure sexual charisma. <laughs> I think Nick's pure sexual charisma in that small of a space. Just exploded the windows. The I mean the whole town though, like the gas station. Like... Oh, when when the town. Well, that's because they they heard about the first incident. Yeah, they're like, the car, wait, Nick the Castle was, was here. He came into town, and the whole town just started exploding. <laughs> oh, Derek, I think you. you're muted, buddy. I I had to clear my throat, so I muted myself. <laughs> you just were going. Like... <laughs> Uh, that's actually kind of a plot point that I feel like, and it's been a while since I've seen the remake, the 2005 version, but I think that might be a plot point that they, uh, kind of allude to in that where, like in that one, the, instead of, uh, this random person who's not really part of the town, the hitchhiking girl is a part of the town and like her return kind of like makes that whole, although, uh, one thing that I was thinking of. A big was, butthole of crap. <laughs> <laughs> that I was thinking of when I was watching this movie. Um, like, what if that character, uh, you know, being here is kind of like a uh, like a spark or, you know, some, I don't know. They didn't never play it on this, and I'm sure that that was not supposed to be, but so I'm a, it I'm is thinking, ironic. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, or from what I gather from the movie, uh, what I gather from the movie is that the this reason that they're it's a hundred years, the centennial, 
it, it all coincides with that centennial. And I don't think it's only just a centennial, but it's a celebration of the centennial. So mm-hmm. it's that they're holding this big festival for to celebrate 100 years of this town that was founded upon uh, murder and deception. And I guess the spirits just can't take that anymore. They, they don't want that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a bicentennial? No. Well, they, they would at 200. Oh, what am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> bicentennial. Uh, what am I thinking of? The uh, What's the 50-year mark? 50 years? <laughs> I don't know. No, there's a word for it. I'll have to look it up. Okay, Robin Williams. We'll, we'll talk about your bicentennials later. <laughs> That's rude. Anyway. Bicentennial fog the... should be the next. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll be... Eh. We'd have to jump into the future because it has to be what nineteen, yeah, right? Like two thousand eighty, right? Yeah. Two thousand eighty. So maybe we'll do. Uh, how, how long would it be now? I mean, it'd be uh, seventy-nine years. What? So it's a hundred already, and then nineteen eighty to now is oh nineteen eighty to now. I'm so I thought you so it would be one hundred forty-one years. Like how long before the next? Like oh, two, no. uh, 2080 is what I thought you were talking about. Oh, no. I think it's 79. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm glad that we're really on top of our math, math skills, though, so that's good. Many of our math teachers are listening. They're, they're at least proud of us. Yeah. Well, except for my bicentennial comment. They're like, that's <laughs> you fell asleep a lot in class. That, but that's, listen, that's English, and they won't, they won't be proud of you regardless. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good thing for spell check, but <laughs> Jamie knows that's a true comment. Oh, oh man, Derek will send me something to, uh, you know, proofread, and he'll be like, "Hey, uh, so I, I wrote this mock-up for this. What do you think?" And I'm like, "I'm just gonna rewrite it because uh, that's all crazy at this point." Hi, radar. Hey. <laughs> radar. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I heard his name. <laughs> radar. Said that, <laughs> but, hi, buddy. Uh, I did think that uh, as I was watching this, I was like, you know, if they were to adapt this to like a TV series, they probably have to change the name. But uh, her character in this, like just traveling around, like solving these mysteries, would be kind of interesting. Well, what's interesting, it's kind of interesting you stated that because um, I just read in the 90s, in the 1990s, John Carpenter mentioned during an interview with Fangoria that he was interested in producing an anthology series based on The Fog. Uh, the proposed series would, at first, not have featured any of the characters from Antonio Bay, but The Fog itself would serve as a catalyst for other supernatural stories. I mean, it is kind of a primal fury. That would have been... can't see. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Or deer. what would also be uh, a cool idea for a... A spinoff to this would be an, an anthology series uh, based off of just the town of Antonio Bay. Like that would be the name of it, Antonio Bay, and then supernatural like happenings happen. Mecca Center, like yeah, uh, Sunnydale. Yeah, or Twin Peaks. <laughs> there was a Buffy reference there. Yeah, or um, um, what's the what am I thinking of the Stephen King? Oh, Castle no. Rock. Castle Rock. Oh, yeah. Man, good. Yeah, Castle Rock is cool. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed Castle Rock. So that is The Fog. Uh, Lydia gave it 7. Derek gave it 7.25 for some reason. <laughs> I gave it 8. Uh, we definitely recommend uh, you guys watch this one. This is a, a great one for sure. Um, next week, we will be reviewing the remake of The Fog. And we'll see how we feel about said remake. I'm sure you can probably guess. Uh, but we're going to give it another watch and see if maybe I, I changed my mind. I mean, I, it didn't happen with Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I will say I, I do think that the uh, 2005 version of uh, The Fog is a little bit better of a remake because it's uh, – I, I just think it's better in general than the remake then, of Pet Cemetery. Well, yeah, that, that's a rough one. That one was That one was rough. Yeah. Didn't we didn't we give it two two pumpkins, Lydia? You and I both gave it two pumpkins, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you know, uh, they really find that movie in high regard. I found it on uh, Amazon for a dollar fifty. <laughs> what the new fog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those that you'll find like chilling out at the dollar store. If you go like the. The movies without cases. You know which ones I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah, they're in just like the paper cases. They're like, oh, here's the fog. <laughs> if anybody wants it. <laughs> we won't even stop you if you shoplift it. Just take it. <laughs> you can just have it. We need to get rid of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you remember that time that we went into family video and uh, we had rented uh, Beyond the Wall of Sleep? Yeah. Remember that? And then uh, we walked by it in the movie theater or in the uh, – in the uh, the movie store, and we put a post-it on there that says, like, I suck, don't rent me, or something. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? I do remember that. It was basically a warning for people not to watch it uh, lest they want to fall asleep. I mean, yeah. it was literally, uh, um, we all rented this movie, and me and Derek and one of our friends, Carrie, we left to go pick up food. And when we came back to the house... Everybody was asleep. Yeah, one of our friends what? fell asleep on a DVD player because it was, was a VCR. Actually, he had his he VCR. had a VCR as a as a pillow. So it was uh, that's that's an interesting film that one. But that was the fog. <laughs> <laughs> and next week will be the fog. Do you guys have uh, anything before we go? No, no. Let's go on Carpenter uh, live. His, uh, he's got a, Jamie and I went a couple oh. years ago. He's that got a uh, musical show that he does where, because he, you know, he does a lot of uh, the music for his films. And so, you know, he's got a good collection. It was a, it was a good time. Yeah. You should pick up some of his, uh, his soundtrack stuff. It's great. We, Derek and I did see him live in concert and it was one of the coolest concerts I ever been to. And I was like a hundred uh, feet away from John Carpenter. Like he was standing right on stage in front of me and it was like one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> Man, how old was he at the time? He was like in his mid to late 70s. He was, he was in his 60s. He was in his rocking 60s. it out, man. Yeah, he, he was, was having his, he was living his best life. Yeah, he was he rocking was it. Fun. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was a good time. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. So maybe now that we're starting to get post-COVID, we can, yeah. John can hit the road again. You guys can go see him because it's totally worth it. 
there's an inappropriate story that I can't tell anybody, but Jamie knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I think I do. Um, <laughs> yep. Anyway, but, we should just move on from that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, John Carpenter's, or the remake to John Carpenter's The Fog, the 2005 uh, Tom Welling, Maggie Grace version of The Fog. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will see you at that time. And for Lydia Judy and Derek Lemaster, I'm Jamie Hiles. And remember, if you're going to scream, scream bloody movies. That's right. <laughs> I really hope you guys would do it with me. Uh, Let's, you know, try Let's try it. Okay, see how it sounds. It. And then I can cut it, whichever one we like. So thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. Uh, until then, I'm Jamie Hiles for Lydia Judy and Derek Lemaster. If you're going to scream, remember to scream. Bloody bloody movies. Movies. <laughs> wow, that was terrible. That One was more terrible. Time. I thought we were going to say it faster than that. Yeah, just scream bloody movies. That's how we're going to say it, okay? Ready? Scream bloody movies. Scream bloody movies. Yeah, just like that. So let me do the outro one more time so it all cuts together. All right. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for the 2005 um, Tom Welling, Maggie Grace remake of The Fog. Until then, for Lydia Judy and Derek Lemaster, I'm Jamie Hiles. Remember, if you're going to scream, scream, scream bloody, bloody movies. <laughs> One more time. Scream bloody movies, okay? So I'm going to say... Right, wait, let's practice it. Let's practice okay, it. Let's practice okay. it. Three, two, one. Scream bloody, bloody movie. You're the one that counted and you were way off on so me? Here. Yeah. So say, say it just like scream bloody movies. Okay, so one, two, three. Scream bloody, bloody movies. Was it me again? Yeah, I think so. Okay, ready? I'm gonna say one, two, three, and then we're gonna say it. And we're gonna say it just like just say scream bloody movies. All right. Right. One, two, three. Scream, Scream bloody, bloody movies. You both. <laughs> so one, two, three. Then we're going to say it. Ready? One, two, three. Scream, Scream bloody, bloody movies. movies. <laughs> there is like 20 minutes behind us. <laughs> I think we should leave all this in and just, oh, yeah. just have you say it in the other one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, folks, uh, we tried. We tried. <laughs> We cannot synchronize us saying Scream Bloody Movies at the same time. Liddy and I are sometimes too fast. Derek is always 25 minutes behind us. <laughs> what I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. My wife tells me all the time I cannot, like, I don't have any, like, rhythm to my, like, musical rhythm, apparently. That's probably what I'll blame this on. That's a good, I mean, that's a good place to blame it on, I it would is. say. We're going to give it one more college try, okay? All right. All right, I'm ready. One, two, three. Scream, Scream buddy. buddy. Eric, you're so behind. I was going off of you. I was I was mimicking you. He was late, right? Was... Okay, I think I think what's happening is there's like a, is there a lag? lag on Maybe. him. Like Maybe. For, so like when you say it, though, you're like waiting for him, so you're going slow when you should just be like, Scream Bloody okay. Movies. You ready? You know what? I'm just going to cover my eyes. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. ready? 
Yeah. Cover your eyes. I can see you peeking. I'm not ready. <laughs> One, two, three. Scream, Scream bloody, bloody movies. movies. <laughs> no. You're like metronome is like soup. Like, so we're going, and you're going, oh, thanks, folks. I'll see you next time. Bye.